Wow, there's so much I don't understand about bullying. Yeah, there's a lot of history there. Did you know it predates agriculture? Mm-mm. Let's walk. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 78 for the week of April 9th, 2012. I am best revenge haver David T. Cole, and I'm here with obviously gay kid Joe Reed. Who told? And ineffectual assistant principal Tara Ariana. I think that kid who sat on your head could be your friend. This is uh, coming a little bit late. It's been out. Bully has been out for a week, but we decided it's enough of a thing that we should talk about it. Yeah. Even if we weren't right, Johnny on the spot because it's opening wider. Well, it rolled out throughout the country. Plus, let's say we wanted to honor it uh, in time for its PG thirteen. That is true. Revised rating. That is true. We got the we got the hardcore shit. So when I I had I went to Canada this weekend. That's why we're recording a day later than usual. And I uh, warned Dave before we I left, you can't joyful noise this one. <laughs> you have to actually watch it. Yeah. And um, Yeah, we all did. saw this in our separate quarters. We did. Coming and from three points on the globe. I was very surprised by some tweets that Dave tweeted yesterday about Bully that indicated that you had a very emotional reaction to it. Uh-huh. Why are you surprised about that? I don't know. Because I'm Because you have a cold black heart? <laughs> yes. Basically. I wasn't going to put it in those terms, but... Yeah. Well, I don't know anybody who went through school and didn't get bullied a, b- yes. a little bit. Of course. Including myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that, you know, the movie itself was well done insofar that it really brought home you know what a problem it is and that it exists and has exists and continues to you know exist and probably get worse um the movie itself you know i suppose the idea was just to create awareness that this is some serious shit Mm -hmm. and it's just not a case of getting your lunch money stolen right you know people's lives are at stake i found the movie a little short on solutions yeah i think that again i think maybe it was just like hey this is happening in order for it to stop everybody has to make it stop right yeah um you know make it a priority for it to stop yeah um but what it did really well was bring home you know everything that happened to you back when you were in school and, and you know myself included i had a couple episodes with with bullies and um you know some of the stories hit harder than the others the one that got to me was you know, uh, and and some of the stories they tell are from people that are not here anymore that have committed suicide because mm-hmm. of yeah. bullying. Um, but the one, the boy that's in it, and he's sort of the um, uh, the focus for the ones that are still here is named Alex at Sioux City, and he's sort of a you know an odd looking guy. He was a preemie baby, and yeah. you understand why he's getting picked on because yeah. he looks uh, you know he looks the part, mm-hmm. and he um, you know has been picked on so much so often that it's just become routine for him and he has trouble 
relating outside of that relationship with people. Well, and you see him go through the whole cycle where there's, you know, he sort of mentions like, I had problems with this kid and I told the teachers and nothing happened. I had problems with this kid on the bus. Right. And then you see him kind of withdrawing into himself. And then during the filming of the movie, you see him try to act like he's in on the joke. Yeah. And think, well, if they can see that I'm taking this good humoredly, maybe they will leave me alone. Well, I mean, these are all defenses that we we tried, right? right? I mean, you tried to disappear. Mm-hmm. You try to acquiesce, you know, you uh, eventually maybe fight back. Right. Most don't. Right. Um, and, you know, so all these things that happened to Alex and other people uh, in this film, you know, it just really hit home for me because I went through all that that cycle. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I wasn't really bullied on that much in grade school, but in high school I was uh, and early, early on in high school. Yeah. And um, how big was your high school? Uh, it was big. Yeah. It, it, the, my town is small, but it was, it's the only high school in public in a, high school. Yeah. Yeah. In, in town. And it was, I don't really know how they do cause, cause there's something here in the States called middle school, which is what grades seven, eight or something like that. Yeah. If you're in a school system with middle schools, I believe it's like seventh through ninth. I went, yeah. well, I was in Catholic and, and parochial school. So it was, we had K through eight and then yeah, that's what school, we had so, too. Yeah. 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 So in Canada basically is grade school and high school. So yeah. you go from grade school up to eight and then bam at nine, you're obviously the small fish again yeah. in high school. And, uh, you know, we had a big school and it also was a all, uh, I don't really know what the, the term is, but there in Canada, there's like vocational school tracks sure. and there's more academic tra- tracks. And we had, I don't know even if they have it anymore, but there was advanced classes and general classes, yeah. as they call yeah. them. And, you know, so our schools also had basic. So our school was actually a little bit unique insofar that we had a shop class in the same school where we would have advanced mathematics classes. It was a uh-huh. little bit of a rare beast back then. Um, so, you know, there was the smoking kids, sure. You know, the shop class deadhead kind of characters and there were the eggheads and there was everybody in between, right? Music students and all that. And, um, when I was in grade nine, I started getting picked on by this kid in math class. And I don't really know if I would have had a problem telling somebody except the math teacher was a notorious alcoholic Mm. and didn't really do anything. Yeah. So eventually... You know, and he was like poking me with like a compass thing and all this sort of oh, stuff. Yeah. And I can't remember why he was doing it. It was probably to impress some girl. God, or something the day like they that. give high school age kids compasses, <laughs> compasses yeah. like, that are basically weapons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just got worse and it got worse. And, you know, and like it got to the point where I was scared to go to the class and yeah. sure. I want to learn. And, and, you know, and eventually I finally told my dad. He yeah. says, like, what's going on? And my dad, just so you know, he's a, he's a, he's a reti- well, he was a cop at the time. He's now retired. He's sort of like the equivalent of a state trooper here. He's not mm-hmm. on the streets. He's highway patrol. Yeah. But, you know, he's been through some stuff. Every cop, no matter mm-hmm. what they're doing, he's, right. he's got tales to tell. And, you know, he says, well, you know, he, here's what you do. And I'm not saying this is a solution across the board. And I think one of the, the things is that, you know, um, bullying and conflict in general, there's no one ticket right. out of it. Right. But he said to me, next time he does that, here, I'm going to show you some stuff. Here's how you put somebody in, in an arm lock. Showed me, practiced all night. Here's what you say. The first time I ever heard my dad say motherfucker, he says, <laughs> I'm going to excuse you I can't for even this, imagine your dad saying that. But you pin him behind the back and you explain to him, this is not going to happen again. Or next time your face is going to go into the wall, you motherfucker. And you say that to him. And he said to me, if you get called to the principal's office for doing anything, 
I got your back. Yeah. I'll come down there and nothing yeah. bad will happen. Yeah. And, you know, that is something that doesn't happen to a lot of the kids in the movies, you know, yeah. uh, right. in the in this movie. Yeah. They don't have that um, that relationship with their parents. They're, they're too scared to bring it. You know, like even yeah. Alex. Al- yeah. Alex's dad in this yeah. film seems like a nice guy, but yeah. he seems really distant as a as a parent, mm-hmm. as a as sort of a proactive kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He just seems t- flummoxed by Alex. Yeah. He yeah. Does. The other kids, he there are he has siblings, uh, younger sisters who seem like. Not to say that Alex is abnormal, but they seem like they probably get along okay in school. In fact, one yeah. of them says, I'm starting to get guff because I'm your sister. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So his dad just seems like he doesn't know what to well, do. Well, and then the dad had that one conversation with him in the kitchen, and he sort of started to talk about, like, well, you have to start sticking up for yourself because at some point somebody's going to start picking on your sister, and then you're going to have to defend her, too. Yeah. And it's like, and I get, it's one of those things where everything in this movie, where anytime a solution is broached, it's sort of like... I get <laughs> yeah, the thought behind but it. but no. Right, because yeah. it's like, you know, all of a sudden now you're putting all of the responsibility for this. And not only on for his kid. own safety, but now, his sister's. Yeah, now all of a sudden it's not even just like stick up for yourself, Poindexter, and I know that wasn't like the dad's tone no, or no, intention. But, but ultimately, if I'm the kid, what I'm hearing is, not only am I responsible for what's happening to me, but now I'm going to be responsible for what's mm-hmm. happening to her. Yeah. And it was just like, and your heart just so breaks for So now my troubles kid. are doubled. But it yeah. also, like, your heart breaks for the dad, too, because the dad really is trying to do his best to solve a situation that you know he clearly has no idea. Mm-hmm. And then the mom, the other thing the movie did really, really well, I thought, was to show that not only knowing what's happening to your kids is terrible, mm-hmm. but not knowing and, like, how much this kid, like, clammed up. Yeah. And... Like, not even just about the bullying, but about, like, everything. And this mom was basically watching her kid, like, become more and more insular. Mm -hmm. And if this movie isn't happening and this camera's not on the bus, when do these parents find out the extent of what's happening to their kid? So it's, like, it's, you know, frightening. And there's not a lot about this movie that isn't frightening. Mm. Um, But I thought that was particularly rough to watch anyway sorry yes yeah, oh no well no the end of that story is the next time it happened i put him in an arm block and shoved him up against the wall and it never happened again and the next time that some other guy who was actually i think held two years back started Ooh, bullying on God. me the next year like he was like a giant like the guy was like <laughs> so he was like he 19 like, he, he was but he seemed like he was 30 you know what yeah. i mean God. um he first time he touched me i just went right to a, a teacher and said this is what happened yeah um, and I think I may have exaggerated the extent in which I was injured, but mm-hmm. only for closure. Right. Um, and he had a, a long, and anyway, short story, story, that second kid got expelled from high yeah. school for that. Um, and you know, he, he was a bad seed. He had a track record, mm-hmm. but yeah. I mean, it taught me that, you know, the worst thing you're going to do is to be silent and internalize it. Yeah. Right. And that was Alex's problem in the movie is that yeah. he just couldn't break out. And he, you know, he didn't say it, but obviously he's just hoping that it would all somehow magically go away if he did his best to uh, ignore it or try to like you know fall into the shadows and it just never happened. Yeah. And you know other other kids in the movie, it was interesting. There was this one edit point I thought was really good where um, Alice is talking to his mom at the kitchen table about how he feels about everything that's happening now that she's sort of getting an idea of the extent of how much he's being bullied. Yeah, because, says, they, well, there's a break where the filmmakers say we showed the footage to Alex's parents yeah, of yeah. what was happening it was getting on the bus. So bad. And she says, well, how does that make you feel? And he says, I don't know. I don't really know if I feel anything anymore. And that's when they start the story of um, Jemina? Jemina? Is that her name? Yes, I um, think. And... Basically, her path was that she was getting picked on so much that she sort of had this moment where she snapped, stole her mom's gun and started waving around on the bus. 
And, and that's so all when on we, security footage. And was, when we meet it, her, she's in juvie yeah. because yeah. she's being charged with like however many forty five counts of, of kidnapping because she was holding all yeah. the kids and, and the and, driver against their will. You know, and it, the 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 implication was that you know here lies Alex if he doesn't yeah. Yeah. break that cycle. Yeah. yeah. And you know, um, yeah. And then she was like facing a bazillion years of of lockup, you know, because of being mm-hmm. in a bus with 42 kids or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then there's the stories of the kids that committed suicide, sort of the whole framing device of, of the movie um, is the family uh, with Ty- Tyler, yeah. I forget the last name, um, who's who had committed suicide yeah. and how, um, and, and I thought that was very sad yeah. and touching, but the one that really got to me was the Hick family. Ty. The Smallies? Yeah, Yeah, where the dad was the hunter. You know, because when you first see them and they're going to the funeral and they're in their, you know, uh, camo boots and Mm -hmm. baseball I had that reaction, which is, I'm a bad person, but I just said, oh, geez, you know. And then, you know, there's a moment in the bedroom where they're talking about it and the mother just has this breakdown and it's so heartfelt and hopeless. And there's just like, you can tell, you, you hadn't met her before, but you know, if you uh, had met her six months ago, there would have been this big chunk of her soul there that isn't there now. Yeah, yeah. she was like practically catatonic. That mom was. was in a bad way. Yeah. yeah, and the father who, and it was this really sweet moment later on in the movie. The way he deals with it is he finally gets online, mm-hmm. starts meeting people that you know, um, in that had bullied kids, and basically starts this online movement, which sort of spreads and this is as at the end of the movie you find out most of the families that they have been following are involved with right. the uh shoot i forget the name of the stop the silence no speak for the silent i think it was something like yeah that. i think that's it um and you know that stand mo- for the silent stand I for think. the silent thank you um and the father is speaking at the you know the state house or something like yeah. that and there's this moment where he's just like you can tell you know like he's he's just saying i'm a simple man you know if this was a politician's son, you know, we would have solved this problem yeah. within an, a month, but I'm not. And, you know, here's my son. He's 11 years old. He's always going to be 11 years old now. That's why, you know, until yeah. the day I die, I'm going to be doing this movement. And he sort of found this purpose now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to think, you know, when I when I first saw him in the movie, I'm like, okay, here's this Hunter Hick guy. And then right. at the end of it, you know, he's done more. In a in a year, than most most of us will you know do yeah. do do in a lifetime, mm-hmm. and that's that's the part that 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 really got to me. I mean, Al, I, I kind of felt like for Alex, I needed to go and give him a big hug and tell them that you know it's probably going to be okay from him if he just yes. needs to ask for help. Yeah. Um. But this father, the son, it's like oh, she just broke my heart, and 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 the mom didn't you know she wasn't there's was only that one real scene with the mom that you see her outside of the bed where she's just lost it, and I kind of mm-hmm. wondered. If she was even at that rally, I don't think they showed her. They didn't her. show her. Yeah. So that was. They like, had other kids too. True. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene too, where he's at the state house and he's talking to, he ends up talking to the sort of like gathered children there. And again, it's sort of like you're preaching to the converted, certainly because people are going to show up to a rally or people. Right. But it's also like that is basically, you know, the slow and incremental change that does need to be made as you sort of, you get to that kind of middle class in these schools, that sort of middle class of kids who aren't the bullies, but Mm -hmm. they're not the bullied. And that's sort of what sets the tone in the school. That's what can 
decide what is and isn't acceptable, socially acceptable. And you sort of, I feel like that's the only way yeah. you can possibly I don't know. do I, it. I, I feel well, like that's the position the movie is taking, but I feel like that's putting a huge amount of pressure on kids. Well, we don't always know what their situation is either. And most of the time, like you're just, if you're not the one that's being the target that day, mm-hmm. you're just glad it's not you. Well, sure. That you know? was me. But, but I think like, to me, the issue is administrations aren't taking action. We saw that over and over in, well, the, that's in the movie. Well, certainly, yeah. I'm not they, no one wanted to issue. take responsibility. And if there aren't any consequences, right. nothing's going to change. Like, right. you, can't, you can't make, like, other than addressing the bullies directly, like, acting like there's this sort of, like, militia of kids that's going to, you know, link arms around the, no. around the victims. I know that's not what you're saying. Right. That's not what the movie's saying either. Yeah. But I feel like that's, the, the putting the onus on the kids is, is not, I don't think that that's, their responsibility. It's the responsibility of the adults in the situations to sure. step in and to well, certainly enforce they are not doing their jobs. Like right when when we saw that you know time and again with yeah. the assistant principal and with the whatever. Right, and, and like, I'm sure it's because no one like the school doesn't want to get sued. They don't want to. Well, they don't want to oh, go by a hearsay report. They were the ass coveringest people yes. in every situation in this thing. Right, where, like they were like our official position is there isn't a problem. But she, but but the the mom when she goes in to talk about what's going on in the bus, she yeah. was like, whenever when I rode the bus, if any shit went down, she would pull over and we would stop. Like yeah. that's my memory of being on the bus too. Yeah. So I don't. I mean. I guess the, it's the same thing with the bus drivers, too, that they don't want that responsibility of, right. like, well, I can't watch the, every single fight of well, 30 kids on this bus to figure out where it started. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, no, no, and that's totally true, and I'm totally, like, that's absolutely, I'm, like, the scene of the, whatever, the assistant principal breaking up the fight between the two kids and mm-hmm. forcing the little bullied kid yes. to shake hands And then with scolding the him for not wanting to. Yeah, and saying, oh, you really disappointed me here. fucking and, like, idiot. I just, and you wonder, like... How many years of being in that situation where you just sort of are eroded down into you see everybody not even as who they are anymore, mm-hmm. but just like formless, shapeless child person. Right. And, like, and right. you have to treat everybody exactly, you know, as you would see this like, again, like formless, shapeless void of a person mm-hmm. that everybody is the same. And you sort of have these weird notions of fairness that aren't fair. Right. And... Ultimately, it just does nobody any. I mean, it just it, it it does harm. Yes. To the to the bullied kid. No, the reason I brought up the whole you know, the masses in the middle thing is I feel like that was that's the one perspective in the movie that I felt like wasn't. I would have liked to have hear more. Not only that, but also like I really would have liked to have heard had them talk to like the parents of some of these kids who were bullying mm-hmm. the other kids. And I feel like, and you know, obviously you could see why they wouldn't want but to. But they got their, camera. they must have got their permission because you see yeah. their faces. Yeah, totally. And it's like, I wish they would have at least tried to get to hear what their side of the yeah. story is. Because yes. that can't it was be, very one-sided. And it's like, and that can't be a picnic either is to find out that your kid is picking on somebody else's kid. But it's like, I want to know what the next step is from right. there. But they, they had to have known. I mean, it, yeah. you know, this isn't the first time that, that well, these there were kids all these are, are discipline and, issues. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing that I thought was a little bit, I mean, in, in the cases of, the, and I don't mean to like disagree with the premise of the movie, but mm-hmm. I felt like, when a, anyone commits suicide, there's not one cause. Right. And, you know, it may be that the parents didn't know what was going on with the kid for a huge variety of reasons until it right. came to that kind right. of a head. Right. But, I, you know, I just worry about trying to 
<laughs> trying to boil down what's obviously totally. a huge agglomeration of a bunch of different causes. To any one reason. For any, in any suicide, I feel like. No, that's totally true. Well, and you see that in terms of like, even like the Tyler Clementi thing that was all in the yes. news. And like, the more you read about that, the more you realize, and again, it's like, Anybody who even mentions, like, complexity in that mm-hmm. thing immediately is like, well, then you're saying there was... Yes. A, it's like, no, I'm not saying no. that this this roommate was in the right. Right. Or that whatever. All I'm saying is the more you learn about any given situation, yes. the more complex it becomes, yes. the more you sort of see other people's reasons for doing things, mm-hmm. even if they are bad and wrong reasons. And, like, but it's... Nothing becomes black and white anymore. Right. And it's like... And my high school experience, watching this thing... Was very interesting because I was never, I won't say I was never bullied, picked, I was picked on from time to time, mm-hmm. but I was never bullied. I always managed to like crawl my way to like the bottom rung of the acceptable class. And I was in <laughs> yes. these really like small high school, 90, 90 kids in my graduating class in yeah. high school. Um, one of 13 boys in my graduating eighth grade class. Mm-hmm. So it was very small, but I also was like, I was a fat kid. Mm-hmm. I was the, you know, whatever, like, super closeted gay kid. But still, I was like, I was soft. I was weak. I was whatever. Like, yeah. clearly pick onable. Mm-hmm. But you sort of crawl your way up into this acceptable class where they're not going to notice you. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to pick on you. But it still, like, has an effect. And then you look at them and you're there and it's like, well, there were kids who were getting bullied. Like, there was a gay, like, really effeminate kid in my mm-hmm. high school class who was totally getting bullied. Yeah. And then you look back now and it's just like this super sense of shame. It was just like, God, like, I didn't actively participate in this. But mm-hmm. I certainly participated by, you know, ascension. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. And, and in the movie, that's the story of Ty Smalley's friend. Which really affected me. Yeah. Like, that was thought, like short me, that, basically. But that, I, but that poor kid, too. Like, of course. It felt like he was 27 or something, oh. but the way he was talking. Like, I yeah. felt like he aged yeah. 20 years, yeah. you know, in that, in that, during the film, just yeah. the way he was approaching life now. And, and, and then that, but his, you know, he tells a story that like, you know, two years ago, he was the guy that was picking on everybody. Yeah. Then he started to feel bad. And he just started like, you know, he was like, I ramped down into normalcy over right. a year. Right. And now I just try to, you know, be the a good guy. Right. And, you know, so I think the movie is just saying like, everybody involved has to be more aware that it's going on. Right. But what I felt, and I think what Taurus, what you're saying is what they didn't like criticize en- enough, or at least say, directly i mean there's town meetings and stuff like that but basically like the school system is basically turning a blind eye yes this happening whether it be for uh you know kind of just fear of lawsuits yes uh they're not paying people to care right um you know for a variety of reasons and i think you know what it's not saying is like how are we going to tackle it from that end right because yeah. again if there are no consequences right if people aren't going to get expelled immediately and these right. kind of things then you're talking a game of inches where you want to be playing for the touchdown right yeah. right yeah and um i i felt like this was a, a the right time for this movie and it's a good start i wonder if it's going to sort of bubble up politically. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if there's been any movement on that. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I think that it's out there and people are talking about it. And I think it's sort of a godsend, this whole R versus PG-13 thing. Yeah, I never would have heard about this if it, if it wasn't <clears throat> otherwise. I, I hadn't heard of it until right. everybody was all mad at the uh, at the ratings board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I, I was just like, out of the movie, I was like, oh, you know, like 
it's been decades since I've been in high school. Yeah. yeah. And it brought and it all that, back in yes. like two, two, two hours. I'm Especially like, wow, that was powerful. When, they, when we saw the kid from Oklahoma, the, the lesbian girl. Yeah, Kelby. And, Kelby. Yeah. When she, and and the, when she was describing what she was going through, because it's very different with girls. Obviously, with a gay girl, it's a totally different situation, too. Totally. But, like, it's it's Mean Girls basically might as well be a documentary. Like, that's kind of, it's heightened, but that's kind of how yeah. it is, where it's like three girls get together and are like, let's ostracize the fourth girl now. And yeah. then it's a different combination of three. And then if someone else is on the outs, like, yes. that's how it is. Oh, yeah. But when I, um, I, I just... Even when I think back, and it's impossible not to when you watch this movie yeah. of your own high school experience, unless you were homeschooled, right? That all you want to do is just go to these kids and be like, just tell them to fuck off. Yeah. Like none of this matters. Yeah. In five years, none of this is going to yeah. matter. Do you know in, how in many Kelby's people case, from your high school you two, ever in two see? years? It's never going to matter. Yeah. Like yeah. you're going to go to college. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Alex is going to be fine. Like yeah. just tell them to fuck off. Well, and that's it's also why, unimportant. Well, and that's why the whole but like, it's not. You can't do that when you're in it, right? I, which I understand. But like the whole. Like, you know, Dan Savage, it gets better. And that's become a real, yes. like, you know, pop cultural thing on the verge of, like, cliche or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I know it's gotten criticized by, you know, whatever. It's like, well, is it giving false hope and whatever? Ultimately, right. I think it is the right message. Yeah. Because it is the message that even I, and I was n- far from dire straits in high school. Mm-hmm. But it's the message I totally didn't know. Yeah. You yeah. don't know. You can't see the forest yes. for the trees when you're when and, you're And in most that of the time, adults are like, this is the best time of your life. I That's wish all I had to do was blah, blah, it's blah. It's the best blah, time blah, of your blah. life. Half of the movies, that, almost all the movies that you see are in that, you know, sort of high school setting when you're that age. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like everything seems to be like this is the sum total of existence. Right. And, and, you, and if you're living in a small town like this, you know, the town that I lived in, mm-hmm. when so many people are still there and, you know, your parents friends were friends with high school and everything yeah. and it just does seem like everything sort of perpetuates itself and yeah. just the idea just that kernel of knowledge in your head of like this isn't yeah. what your world is going to be in such a short amount of time yes. like it's such a it's it's a really important message and i feel like for as much as we can sort of deconstruct and poo-poo a message like that i think yeah. it's really important no i think it, it gets better it makes a lot of sense and i think if i were to add to it yeah. you know as a follow-up movement it would be <laughs> living well is the best revenge yeah, yeah. right i yeah. mean you know kelby you just at need the to end of this film it. is thinking if i'm going to actually have a good life i need to get out of here yes. yeah and i don't know where she's going hope she's going to a nice big city with the you know even just a, a bigger city yeah like, yeah but like somewhere where she is to tulsa yeah. would be yeah. a step up but as soon as she said that because you know i don't know about you guys but as soon as her story started i'm like okay you got to move yes right yeah. you got to get out of that town well, it's and not, at the end, you're, you're not, not gonna, gonna you're change. not gonna be an agent of change it's not gonna place. be footloose right. but for no. gay people right it's gonna <laughs> be her parents credit yes at the end of the movie they did they moved yeah. they yes. picked oh yeah her dad was great her dad was amazing yeah yeah um, yeah, but the, you know, the move, the, 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 the people that lost kids in this film, yeah. you know, I was thinking like, it's just, it's almost like your kid died of polio. Yeah. yeah. It's like so wrong in this day and age. Yeah. Yes. It seems so pointless and you know, it's preventable. Yeah. yeah. And when they do go, it's just like, it hits you. And the fact that it all happens because of things that happened in grade school and high school right. kind of just like makes it 10,000 times worse. And of that course. there's this whole nexus of, of complicating factors that you never would have experienced like uh, like fucking Facebook and texting and everything oh, else where God. it's like, yeah. where you know, if I had a bad day at school, like at least I had Stop Laughing, my marching band friends who like sure. they were cool with me and I right. knew I had another place to go and like right. if people were talking shit about me, they were just talking shit to each other. There yeah. wasn't like a lasting public record of it that I would ha- then have to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
my Facebook wall. Yeah. Or whatever the hell. Like just this, the idea of how much more complicated it gets and how you, if you are that kid, you can feel that you have no sanctuary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that it follows you home. It's with you all the time. Yeah. So. Well, and then ugh. it's like, and, and the sort of common bond through who we see in this movie, and I think part of it is because the family is involved with this, were involved in sort of this greater cause, yeah. is you don't have any kind of, you know, kid who gets bullied at school and then he comes home to parents who aren't so great, who right. don't give a shit, right. who, you know, maybe even if they're not explicitly like, you know, you know, it's a gay kid coming home and his parents are spouting religion or something like yeah. that. And it's like... Then it's, you know, compounded and like, good God, like even worse. And yes. it's sort of, that's when the problem starts to feel too much to, it, it, to bear. Like, I mean, that's, that's how I left it. I really left it feeling completely hopeless. Yeah. Which I don't think is what they intended, but <laughs> no, that's where but, I was. I mean, I think the movie was there to just raise awareness. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, I think. Yeah. Our criticisms that it didn't provide solutions like there was yeah, a magic no, no, bullet. No. We didn't mean it's that way. It's not the movie's responsibility it, to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it had it had a vision for what it wanted to do, and I, it succeeded. I think in that. Yeah. Well, really, really well. Well, right. and it's so but, shocking that like you would see these kids, the behaviors that they would engage in when they know that a camera is there. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the most shocking thing of all. It's not shocking in that I wasn't expecting it, but like. Well, but it's also good filmmaking if you can. Well, it's good filmmaking, but it's also just like, cut the fucking, like, balls on these fucking kids. Like, to do that shit and to be like, because their whole worldview is they're completely in the right. They're, you know, Teflon. They're, you know, untouchable. Well, clearly nothing's going to happen to them because nothing ever has. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So um, it's playing everywhere. Probably big cities. And I think it's it's getting pretty good. Yeah, I think it'll end up expanding to... A lot um, of places. Yeah, go see it. You're either going to feel very, you, you will feel very sad. Yeah, you yeah, will, that will be sad. mixed with either a little bit of shame, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we've all been on some on the bully spectrum ourselves at some point. Oh yeah, and uh, but I think you know you'll come away <laughs> you'll you'll come away either um, sad, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think hopefully there'll be enough eyeballs on this that it'll sort yeah. of translate into the political side of things yeah um and i think that's the ultimate goal for the movement behind the movie so check yeah. it out so i uh, my response to this because uh, uh, my bad bullying experience has happened when i was uh moved from my initial school in regina hold for giggles yeah. to a to a neighborhood where there were richer kids and so it was much more stratified right and then after i moved to niagara on the lake there was no, like, everyone was just in one big morass. It was like the utopia of high school. And yeah. here is why. All our sports teams sucked ass. Ah. No one cared about them at all. <laughs> and everyone was on drugs. Everyone. That, weirdly enough, I totally buy that because that was completely like a uniter as like uh-huh. I got older in high school. Listen, you can't be trying to pursue anyone and beat the shit out of them if you're on, if you've just been if smoking you're super hash. stoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So or if you're, you're on is, acid. Yeah. And the war everyone on drugs. Everyone at my school was, except me. The pot smokers were so gentle. They became, like, even the ones who were, like, were aggressive in, like, junior mm-hmm. high. God, did they mellow out when they got into those later high school right. years. So that's one way to go with bullies. Joe, you had another. I do. I have, uh, you could call it a not a crackpot theory. Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. So I am not a crackpot. I just believe that there's a solution to the bullying problem that we're not properly investigating, even though we're living at a time in our history when that solution is staring us right in the face. (laughs) 
One of the problems with bullying is that there seems to be an insufficient deterrent for bullying behavior. And sometimes you just have kids with unchecked aggression and that energy usually goes into bullying. My solution works not only to remove the bully from the situation, but also acts as a warning to future bullies, and it allows those bullies to work out their aggressions on their own terms and provide the American (laughs) public with a much-needed catharsis. In short, ladies and gentlemen, I think we should establish a Hunger Games for bullies. Interesting. (laughs) Now. I'm I'm hearing you out. I know this is going to sound controversial. It would be the country's (laughs) first foray into legally sanctioned blood sport, for one. Not to mention well, all the... MMA. Sure. Okay. That is true. Good point. <laughs> I'm marking that down. Uh, not to mention the Eighth Amendment concerns about cruel and unusual punishment. And right. the FCC is just going to have a baby about this whole situation. Yep. Like, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> just get it onto the air one time and people will totally be hooked. Yep. And then you're golden. These are, these are bullies after all. And they get to roam free and do their thing. Mm-hmm. They can inflict harm upon other people. Yes. And the only people who get harmed are other bullies. Maybe a few of them will fall in love like Katniss and Peeta, and who doesn't love that? <laughs> now I hear you again, because once it's over, and there's a winner... He's the, the ultimate, or she, is the ultimate bully. The problem is what to do with him or her, to be fair, because now you've got a bully who has become battle-tested, yep. desensitized to inflicting mortal harm upon He's others. He's the Captain America of bullies. And with a taste for meat. I haven't quite figured out this part of my plan yet, but I haven't ruled out sending them to Dave's Hoarders Island. Uh-huh. Best case, they whip those hoarders into shape. Worst case, they have to live in filth for the rest of their life. Again, still working on the kinks for this, yeah. but you can't deny this is a really good kernel of an idea. Let's explore the space on this one. Let's just really, let's let's not shut it out just because it seems inhuman. If you're a Hollywood producer or perhaps a Washington insider and you'd like to help make Joe's vision a reality, please, please email uh, bullyhungergames at extrahotgreat.com. Well, we've talked a lot today about helping the kids. In one way or another. Uh-huh. Uh, I just want to give a quick plug to the currently um, going concern that is the Dewey donation system. That yes. is a uh, annual book drive that myself and uh, Pamela Ribbon, past guest, uh, a.k.a. Pammy, uh, organize every year. Well, actually, she does most of the organization. I just help out along the margins. Anyways, it's going on right now, and I think it'll go on for probably about another week after this drops. And the gist is, is we've got two book drives going right now, one supporting... Uh, um, kids in Thailand from the uh, red light district, a lot of um, sexually abused kids. And there's a library uh, that's being stocked up there that um, we are supporting. And the other one is in Washington, D.C. And it is sort of a book program that supports uh, libraries across the district. And again, for uh, not only books, but after school programs for kids and uh, stuff like that. Um, you can check it all out at Dewey, like uh the, the Dewey, Dewey Decimal, Decimal System, system but yes. DeweyDonationSystem.org. So, Great. Yes. So um, if kids. you're feeling bad, maybe you bullied a kid sometime in uh, school and I want to make amends. Yes. Here's the opportunity. Dewey Donation This did work system. with me. When I saw Waiting for Superman, I immediately came home and made a ridiculous donation yeah. to Donors Choose. Yeah. See? Yeah. So this may work with bully as well. Yes, right. exactly. All right, it's time for the canon. And Joe, you have brought something for us today. I have. I figured since we were talking about uh, high school concerns, certainly uh, schools with some strife and uh, administrations who are powerless to police the children of whom they are in charge, Mm -hmm. I decided to come to the table with an episode of the Ryan Murphy series, Popular, from the uh, late 90s, 
This is season one. It lasted two seasons. This is season one, episode 14, and the episode is called Caged. So the one-line premise of the series is that Brooke McQueen and Sam McPherson, I want to say, maybe, uh, are high school opposites. One's blonde, one's brunette, one's a cheerleader, one's a humorless pain in the ass. And they are forced to live together when Brooke's dad and Sam's mom get engaged. So that's the whole premise of the series. And then they have their respective cliques, and everything becomes increasingly insane, and it's a Ryan Murphy show, so it's sort of has tonal inconsistencies and is nuts. Um, But it's also his most purely campy exercise. I think at its best, it becomes... That's saying something from the man who also brought us American Horror Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. And I think at its best, it's sort of the the id of of televised camp certainly in uh in the late 90s era so this episode uh very early on in this episode there's a flash forward to the six female characters and they are all brawling in the ladies room the kim novak ladies room which is known as the novak um and after lily is peeled off of mary cherry and brooke and sam are forcibly separated uh lily and mary cherry start to freak out which brings us to our first clip Cut to whatever, 16 hours earlier, whatever, J.J. Abrams' device. Um, <laughs> at the, at, so at the outset, Sam and Brooke are currently getting along in their stage of their relationship, even if their respective groups of friends are at each other's throats. But Sam and Brooke's detente uh, falls away pretty quickly, mostly because they are both on their periods. Because pretty much the dominant plot of this episode is that all the women are synced up on their periods, and it makes them total crazy monsters. So the blondes and the browns are at war... Is that how it works, Tara? It is my understanding that that is how it works. I mean, I haven't had my period in a long time, so I forget. I'll I'll save my comments to my (laughs) segment of the discussion. So the blondes and the browns But no. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dave. Well, you got me drinking. Yeah, you (laughs) really Boom. Uh, Nicole and Carmen have lingering uh, resentments from the Glamazon cheerleading squad, and Lily and Mary Cherry hate each other for non-specific yet totally understandable reasons. Um, even Sam and Brooke's, as I said, peaceful coexistence is broken. Uh, Brooke spots Sam wearing one of her bracelets, and there's an almost cafeteria brawl. Meanwhile, the guys, Harrison and Josh and Sugar Daddy, are increasingly frightened of these girls and their menses. So the girls decide to have a rumble, and Mary Cherry even procures pink leather chola jackets for her and Brooke and Nicole. Uh, But before they can get to the parking lot, the boys trick them into meeting in the Novak and then lock them in there. Uh, In other words... Oh my god, yo! We're caged! What did you call that room? The The Novak. Novak, The Kim Novak ladies' room. Oh. I think the conceit was that... Famous people who had gone to the school or passed by the school uh, at some see. point, like donated or whatever. The patron. Kim yeah. Novak uh, had the ladies' room named Got after it. her. So um, from there, it follows sort of this bottle episode format, whereas now the community has graced us all with the knowledge from above of what a bottle episode is. We can sort of uh, appreciate an episode that sort of takes place with all the characters in one setting, and they're locked in there, and it's a lot cheaper to produce, and yada yada. So uh, the resentments between the six girls come to light. Mary Cherry, uh, who is, of course, played by the lovely Leslie Grossman and my favorite character and is completely just insane comedy the entire time, um, explores the possibility of them being locked in there long enough that they'll have to find extreme sources for food. Oh, my God, y'all. This is just 
like that movie Alive, where, where rational people, abandoned in nature, go mad with hunger and eat each other like lust-crazed cannibals. And my blood sugar's plummeting by the minute. Well, FYI, kids, if I gotta munch a bunch on any of these Birkenstock wares, I'm gonna need a lot of Tabasco, which we don't have. Mary Cherry produces a bottle of Tabasco. Uh, that's the show introducing those dun dun duns. That's not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> not that we're above we, something like. Oh, that, we've but... used it in the past. That's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> um, so also, this episode features the trope that the work of literature that the class is reading in English class ends up reflecting on their lives. In this case, they're reading the Scarlet Letter, and so the episode becomes about their shameful secrets. And uh, there was an earlier class exercise where the kids wrote down their darkest secrets and threw them in the trash in a symbolic gesture. First of all, dumb teaching decision. Second mm-hmm. of all, dumb decision in general. Because yeah. of course Nicole retrieves them all for their own for her own personal evil use later. Today in the age in the age of a personal identity theft, there would have been a shredder in that. Office. Oh, there would have been perhaps attached to on top of the uh, garbage can. So anyway, in the Novak, Nicole proposes a game of truth or dare. Again, terrible idea. Where the secrets are teased out, she sort of scrawls them in lipstick on the bathroom mirror, and one by one the secrets are revealed. One, Mary Cherry has webbed feet, and we get to see a really nice uh, flashback clip with Delta Burke as her mother, Cherry Cherry. (laughs) Lily has questioned her sexuality, which we get to see a flashback to her and Carmen at an earlier, I think it's sort of an extension of an earlier actual episode and scene. Uh, And they end up having, they end up kissing, and it pisses Carmen off that Lily has told the story, and so that's fracture there. Uh, Brooke's secret is that she hooked up with Josh after they broke up, which is kind of a lame secret, but whatever. After Brooke and Josh broke up. After Brooke and Josh broke up. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? You just didn't specify. Oh, okay. Um, Sam's secret is that that same night, she kissed Josh. And then Carmen's secret is that she is dating Josh now. Uh, Nicole, who devised this game, as I said, uh, tries to pass off that her secret is that she went shopping with Gwyneth. Because at this point, another interesting sort of through line in the series is that Gwyneth is sort of the apex of everything cool. This was before she had her first kind of fall from popularity and before the later rebound, which I'm going to give you credit for, Tara, because (laughs) you are the champion of all things Gwyneth. I do love her. Um, So, but Carmen, of course, because she's dating Josh and she actually talks to Josh, knows better and she busts Nicole for being a liar and she forces Nicole to admit that she has also had sex with Josh, uh, betraying her supposed best friend, Brooke. Um... So all this time, the boys have gotten themselves caught up in the most ridiculous wheel-spinning subplot possible with androgynous bio teacher Bobby Glass. They happen upon a video of her doing S&M domination weird stuff, and they end up getting caught by her and then tied up. And then they get further menaced by her creepo boyfriend, who was Tom from Cougar Town, <laughs> yep. um, playing his stock character of creepo. Yep. Uh, when the boys finally escape, Josh makes a run for it and he gets into the Novak at exactly the wrong time since all these secrets about him have just been exposed. So the girls turn on him and he locks himself in the stall to protect himself. At this point, Mary Cherry has had enough of everybody else hogging the spotlight, so she takes the floor. Protecting him, darling. You're not the only one who's nibbled off that tired old snack. Well, we've all had our share. Mary Cherry, what are you babbling about? Oh, I'm no babbling brook, hun. Just a lady who needs to fess up. I lied about my secret. It's actually more shocking and scandalous than all yours combined. I slept with Josh, too. And Joe. At the same time. Not like that. Shut your dirty, hard mouth, player, player. Okay, wait a minute. Who the hell is Joe? But two menfolk could not satisfy my carnal cravings. 
That's why Lily slept with us too. Oh, I did not! Oh, stop lying, little Lily. You loved it. So that sparks off a brawl. I should explain, by the way, that uh, Joe is Mary Cherry's name for Harrison. Right. Because she's never properly learned his name, and she's decided she's in love with Joe, um, which sort of blossoms into other weirdo things later also, on. Also, if that clip sounds strangely familiar, and you don't know why, even though you've never watched Popular, it's uh-huh. because Joe's already used it in this on this podcast. I, it's funny. Dave and I were talking about that. I don't think I did, but I think Dave did in relation to me. Uh, you, I think you used it when it was the original introduction of the Blousy Blondes. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, then that makes sense. Yes. Um, So, uh, yes. Who the hell is Joe? I love that. Uh, Harrison finally shows up to save Josh, and with the door open and both boys uh, in the stalls, the girls discover that they uh, can leave, and now they've become, all of a sudden, like snap of a finger, they've become closer for their ordeal, and they all head out for pizza together, except for Nicole, who gets totally shut down by Brooke, who says she never wants to talk to her again. Nicole, true to her nature, dusts herself off locks Josh and Harrison in the Novak and struts out to the tunes of George Michael's Freedom 90. So that's the episode. Again, as I said in the beginning, this really kind of pure camp sensibility, especially uh, with the most insane of subplots, certainly that bioglass subplot wasn't just nutty and made no sense and whatever. Um, I love Mary Cherry, of course. There's a clip earlier on where... uh, she's they're in that English class where they're reading the Scarlet Letter and she's talking to her gay teacher. Yes, Mary Cherry. Mr. Bennett, do I have to sit next to her? She stinks. No, you are the one who smells Mary Cherry. Like roadkill. Come on, guys, let's concentrate. As we dig into Hawthorne's book, I, I really want you to put yourselves into Hester's clogs. To me, this book is feminist and, and, and humanist because it's about eventual victory from shame, from the secrets that destroy us. I I guess maybe I feel so passionately about this book because for years I lived in shame. But I'm glad to say I came out of the closet five years ago and I'm doing much better. Yeah. Mr. Benny, let me just say on the record that I love the gays. Thanks, Mary Cherry. We love you too. Okay. Understatement, understatement of the universe, by the way, that the gays love Mary she Cherry, too. She does this great high, the thumbs up is so cute. Her, her, she really puts a lot of uh, mustard on that line. Mary Cherry is one of those people, remember when I put forth the critic and I was like, if I could actually present a clip reel instead, if I could just present a clip reel of everything that Mary Cherry did throughout the, and if you go on YouTube, you will find such clips. Mm-hmm. Um, completely worth it, completely out of context, whatever. And certainly if you've seen the series, it really distills everything that was great about the series and her into one. Um, I love the visual gags in the episode. The Chola jackets were great. Um, the fact that uh, they go to this restaurant called Croutons, which is, <laughs> like for all intents and purposes, a giant salad bar. We, there, there's, yes. there's a uh, giant, the, apparently, so I'm told, the original giant salad bar restaurant is in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. And uh, our friends, uh, <laughs> Jeff and, and Laura, took us there because yeah. they know how much we love soup plantation. Yeah. Which is the pinnacle of the idea. Yeah. Yes. And um, I love But that place is called cucumbers <laughs> but it's q like initial q period i love cumbers it. like it's like someone's a name, name. Yeah. like mr quentin cumber i love founded it. this restaurant i love it now it's called cucumbers and then on glee they kind of had they a nod to sticks. that where they had breadsticks which is like one of yep. my very favorite things about glee so um they even managed in this episode to sneak in some plot development certainly then the brooke and nicole uh fracture ends up having a lot to do with the rest of the season in the series and it gives Tammy Lynn Michaels, while not the hugest uh, showcase, I thought if there was a second most 
awesome character on that show. It's certainly Nicole. And Tammy Lynn Michaels is amazing, even though she's clearly 30 years old as she's playing that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and her hair is 40. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, but again, the show kind of realized at a very early stage that they didn't give a shit and they were just going to go with it. So um, I said on Twitter this week that I know this is going to be the hardest of sells. <laughs> um, I kind of don't expect to get any votes right now, but I'm glad I put it forward. It's one of the... That sort of era of WB dominance mm-hmm. had a lot of actual teen shows, and this seems to be just sort of what an insane person's view of that kind of teen show would be. And it is my favorite of all of those shows, and this episode is my favorite of Popular. So, there you go. Tara? It seems like Popular is the kind of show that I should have watched, and I never did. Oh, you didn't watch it at I the time? I never watched it. Oh, This okay. is the, maybe the first full episode I ever oh. watched. <laughs> I'm um, really getting no votes. So... <laughs> I don't know why I never got into it. It maybe may have had a, a recording conflict. This was in the days before. Sure. It was a long time ago. Yeah. And it was the first year of the site of television without pity. Right. It was still Mighty Big TV. So I was very, very busy, you yes. guys. Right. Very. I recall Mighty Big TV being like one of the major like mm-hmm. conversation spots for the show, certainly. Yeah. And they interviewed a bunch of people. Matthew um, Ehrlich, who, used to, who recapped it, yeah. uh, interviewed a bunch of people. Yeah. associated with the really show good inc- including my, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Um so yeah they were we were on their radar anyway. Yeah. Um but yeah this is not for me. <laughs> the I I realize how ridiculous it is to quibble with this in a show that's so extremely campy. Sure. But the whole thing of like the gay showrunner writing this incredibly sexist yeah. and fearful vagina phobic episode about right. everyone having their period all at once. Yeah. Really put me off. See, to me it was so incredibly over the top that it was clearly to me like this is how ridiculous of a notion this is. Sure. And it's like carried out to its and most it's, extreme. And end. it's through the perspective of teen boys like yeah. I get it. Yeah. But no, Still, I understand. It, I totally It was get very it. off-putting for me. Sure, I could totally see that. Um, but I agree with you that Mary Cherry is clearly the shining star of the show. Yeah. She, she sells every single line she has, even the ones that aren't supposed to be yeah. funny. Like, she just really puts a twist on every line that she's given. Or even when she's, like, trying to open the locked bathroom door, and, like, she puts her foot up on the door, and it's yeah. literally, it's above her head at that point. Like, yes. the position that she gets into, yes. and it's really just funny She commits. She does. And I and I love her for that, and yeah. I, I've, that's why I've liked her in everything I've ever seen her in. Yeah. Um, but I did find the episode, um, sexism aside, uh-huh. kind of slow. Yeah. And there's a whole plot twi- when we hear the clip of them saying, this is how it's going to end. Then they cut to the door, the door is open. Like, yeah. the door's been open, why didn't you just rush off? I realize it's the heat of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Criticizing stupid stuff. <laughs> um, this, this this did not work for me. And, yeah. the, and the weird, t- the tonal, the classic Ryan Murphy, like careening from camp to heartfelt. Yeah. Does not help And that either. was ultimately a thing that really deep six the show, particularly in its second season, mm-hmm. where the sort of sappy, heartfelt stuff began to overpower the cra- right. the funny stuff. Yes. And it became crazier, but not necessarily funnier. And it's sort of, it's interesting to sort of follow that Ryan Murphy trajectory mm-hmm. uh, to its logical end. And you see so much of it in Glee, like so much of yeah. what I see in Glee and the inconsistencies there. Yeah. And it's always that they try to write drama in these really ham-fisted ways and yes. it really just doesn't serve the comedy well. Right. Yeah. And, and the other, pro- it, it also has a classic problem of all of TV, but particularly with the CW, where your lead character, in this case, characters, Ooh. yeah, is the most boring character. Yeah. Characters. Yeah, in Brooke, the show. I ended up liking at least a bit. 
uh, yeah. at certain spots, but Sam was just insufferable and terrible and yeah, not interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I think your hashtag was not for Dave's. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought your clip selection was really good because yeah. I actually was laughing at it. It was basically that, that every stuff. Mary Cherry hype. But there was, there was, yeah, I mean, Mary Cherry is, is a great character. And I yeah. didn't realize that that was the blousy blonde in question yeah. from that. And I didn't know the actress's name. Yeah. Um, and what else? What have I seen her in? What Maybe? I like about you, so no. So um, just a lot of... Uh, probably guest starring roles and yeah. various things. Uh, she's great. Yeah. And you're right, Tara. I mean, she does sell sell everything that, that she does. Oh, yeah. she's in the pilot of Scandal. Did you oh. watch that while I was going? Oh, she Not is. Yet. She was in the pilot of Scandal. <clears throat> um, didn't watch that. I, <laughs> you're right with the whole whiplash between, you know, the comedy moments and then there's, there's supposed to be these serious moments where mm-hmm. they're, um, you know, having arguments about uh, their sexuality and losing yeah. blah, Really fall flat. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, I thought that this was sort of like an hour-long uh, show that kind of felt like it was uh, like two pounds of scrubs in a ten-pound bag. <laughs> That's not it's not a bad comparison. Actually. That it had that same sort of vacillation between relationship moments and goofy uh, uh, plastic elastic reality. Yeah, that I thought Scrubs does did. Um, also didn't hurt that there was the guy from Scrubs was in it, Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, where I think Scrubs succeeds because the relationships seem very believable. Mm-hmm. Like I, God, I hope one day I don't find out that Zaf Braff and Donald, um, yeah, yeah, aren't like the best of buds sure. in real life. Like, apparently I, they really are. Apparently they are, and I think it shows up on screen. Yeah. I don't get that in this show. Uh, a lot of the little mousy girl actor. Uh, the smallest one. Oh, Lily? the tiny little yeah, Lily. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, she is terrible. Uh, that she was. She She's was, lost to history now. She never did. She totally after is. This. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I felt that I appreciated that they were trying for the quirk, but I just don't think it landed a lot. And the other thing about this episode that I found really trying was the ten thousand dun dun duns uh-huh. overused. And the other thing they overused was the scarlet letter framing device where everybody is telling their secret and it goes into this whole spotlight thing with uh, my scarlet letter is a letter yeah. q q for yeah whatever cucumbers from minneapolis i love it so much quirky I you just said it 15 times yeah Come on. um rehearse it <laughs> rehearse this. so yeah so you're right it wasn't for me but i think uh the mary cherry character was was, was a revelation I, think. I keep i i thank you for bringing that to my attention i'm sure it's rights issues but i kind of it really makes me angry every time every episode of glee that goes by that they don't bring her back i guess because she was a cheerleader on that show like yeah. she should so clearly be a rival cheerleader coach for yeah. sylvester like, but it's fun it was funny to watch this as a prototype glee oh at, yeah and to see oh, yeah. all the same problems you that i have all with the glee. dna in it yeah, yeah yeah good yeah for me good and bad but i yeah for you yeah i mean bad. like yeah. the whole business with it's like I made out with Josh and then I made out with Josh and then they both have to have the conversation with Josh where it's like, this isn't right. Like, I don't want (laughs) conversations about morality dipped in with my camp. Like, just fucking go for it. Who cares if it's right? That's the whole point. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. That's that's my thing. All right. uh, I am going to say no, Tara. Yeah, no. Sorry, Jack. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) All right, popular. Season one, episode 14, Cage. I'm sorry, but you are not inducted into the extra hot gray cannon. Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. And Joe, take a break. I got this one this week. All right. Winner of the week is me. I'm the winner of the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And why is that? Me That's too. because Austin's 
Alamo Draft House, the best theater that I've ever been to, bar none, the one that kicks you out for talking, using your cell phones. Better than the Arc food, Light. Better than the Arc Light in Los Angeles by by good measure. Yes. Um, is moving into our neighborhood here Woo! in New York City. The Upper and, West Side. Uh, I do enjoy watching movies, but I actually do get apprehensive now going to a movie theater yeah. because of people and their... Um, refusal to um abide by the social contract we all used to live by yes. and alamo draft house is the place where that still exists or else yep. so winner of the week me Yay. i'm i'm interested to see the i don't know if we call it growing pains but how exactly they will break the new york audiences into yeah. compliance i feel like there's enough people who want that kind of experience who will go to it but i think at least at the beginning, it's probably going to take it's some... It's going to be ticket prices. Some tough love. Yeah, the, well, the ticket prices, <laughs> I, I will totally like yeah. pay that. Listen, yeah. all the riffraff can stay down in Lincoln Square. That's right. Where they belong. <laughs> yeah. All right. And loser of the week. <clears throat> loser of the week is Leonardo DiCaprio because uh, two of his former co-stars gave interviews last week that were not flattering. Uh, first, it was Kate Winslet said, because there was the the Titanic re-release occurred last week and she gave an interview where someone asked her what's changed and she said, I'm a lot thinner and Leo's a lot fatter. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing. And then they were talking to Claire Danes and she said something similar about Romeo and Juliet where she's like, it's fun to watch it now, but now we're both big giant grown-ups or something like that. She at least had the grace to include herself in it. (laughs) Didn't say fat, but everybody leave Leonardo DiCaprio alone. I'm going to give him a complex. He looks fine. Have you seen him, though, in Romeo and Juliet lately? He is a stick. I know. He's a stick. No, and in Titanic, too. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I know. Like, but anyway. he's put on more muscle. No, it's He was true. like a spindly little thing. He I'm was. just saying. He's become a man. Let's not give Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> a complex or else he'll stop dating models. And then what? We're all lost. We're exactly. all completely lost. Yes. Guys, I have a question for you. Yep. Do you know what time it is? I think, I it's think game so. time. It is game time. All right, everybody. This is the second game time of this young new season. Joe, you won last week's game. I did. So Tara, looking to get on the board. Yep. This week, you mentioned Titanic. I did. We are uh, in celebration of Titanic 3D apathy that's sweeping the nation. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We are playing a game called Oh, Captain, My Captain. Oh, gosh. From return contributor Mark B with an assist from our helpers at Extra Hot Great Assist. The snitch line? The snitch line. (laughs) For his troubles, of course. Mark gets an extra credit, which he can if redeem. you figure out how to hack that shit. <laughs> Listen, I am an honorable man. I right. wouldn't want to win by cheating. Okay, me neither. All right. uh, I know. That's why I figure it's a good honor system. Me neither, <laughs> shifty eyes. <laughs> for helping out, Mark gets an extra credit, which he can redeem later for a extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. Yes. Um, okay, here's how it's going to work. I am going to give you the name of a captain or a ship runner. Doesn't have to have the rank captain. We all, yeah. okay? Sure. That's for our pedantic listeners out there. Uh, Who? <laughs> name of a captain or a shiprunner type of person from pop culture. And for one point, you're going to tell me what the ship they capped is called. Oh, God. And for another point, what property it's from. So you have okay. a two-point proposition here. Okay. You can ask for a hint. Hint will cost you one point, but you can't go negative, okay? Okay. All right. Okay. The hint comes in the actor. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yep. So for example, if I said Captain James T. Kirk, you would tell me the name of the ship. The USS Enterprise. Enterprise. The show. 
Star Trek. And if you asked for a hint, Ike would tell you it's either William Shatner or Chris Pine. Okay. Right. Okay. We have 40 questions. Okay. And picky 3,000. Let's find out who goes first. All right. Joe is going first. I see how it is. <laughs> so, Joe. Yes. Spurgeon Tanner. Spurgeon Tanner is your captain. Damn it. Now I want the ship and what that's from. I for would a like total a of hint. two points. The actor who plays Spurgeon Tanner is Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Tara says she's got it. Hoping for a steal with no points. There's no stealing. But for just, glory. Just the honor. Yeah. Robert Duvall, a captain. Yep. Oh, I'm blanking. This is terrible. I need an answer. I don't know. You should specify it's not necessarily a boat. Nope. I said a ship. Deep impact. Deep impact. Oh, the space shuttle. Didn't yeah. think of that at I all. Think, I okay. think we... James T. Kirk was the example. Okay. Yeah. Tara. Yeah. Yours is Captain Jack. Captain Jack. Captain Jack is your captain. Distinct from Captain Jack Sparrow, I assume? Correct. Okay. I will give you that piece of information. Captain Jack. I need a hint, please. The actor who played Captain Jack is Rob Riggle. Oh. So I need the name of the boat the and office. the show. For one point, the office. And the boat was Booze Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> the, the good boat, ship Boo Cru- Booze Cruise? The boat was called The Princess. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Joe. Yes. John J. Adams. Captain John J. Adams. I'm going to do terrible at this game. I need a hint. This is a tough one. Uh, The actor is Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Down Periscope? That was an educated guess, but I don't think he was in that. But it's a goofy naval film. I understand where you're going. That is uh, Forbidden Planet. Oh. He's the... uh, Oh, from the olden days. Yes, from the olden days, before Uh he was a nut bar. Okay. All right, Tara. Yep. Nathan Hale Bridger is your captain. Nathan Hale Bridger. Oh, I need a hint. I think I know it, but I'm not, sir. I'm not okay, sure. Okay, I'll give you the I hint. Can't, I can't sacrifice. Well, you're talking. Yes. The actor is Roy Schneider. Roy, Roy Schneider. Schneider. No end in that. Schneider. Nathan Hale Bridger. Gonna need an answer. I don't know. The show and ship, both the same. Sequest DSV. All right, Tara, uh, Joe. Yes. Charlie Allnut. A L L N U T? That's correct. Charlie Allnut. He was Hint. A, the uh, actor who played the captain, Charlie Allnut, was Humphrey Bogart. The book and film are both. Uh, the book, the boat and film are both the African Queen? Correct for two points. Okay. Okay, but Tara. You got, a, you got a hint, though. Oh, yeah, oh, that's right. right. One point. One point. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. Your <laughs> captain is James Hook. Uh, Peter Pan. And is the ship the Jolly Roger? Yep. Yes. Correct. All right. Joe. Yes. Get ready for me butchering this. Alexi Strov... Strov-Rikov. 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 All right. I'm going to make an educated guess. Vostrikov. Vostrikov. That's how you say it. I'm going to guess this is from The Hunt for Red October. That's what I would have guessed. Damn it! Well, who's the actor? Let me see if I would have gotten it from the actor. Uh, Harrison Ford. Oh, um, K- 
the Widowmaker? That's correct. Uh, All right, Tara. John Robinson. Um, Lost in Space. I don't know the name of their vessel. The ship is the Jupiter 2. Okay. The Jupiter 2. Uh, both in the, I think, I'm not sure if Jupiter 2 was the name in both the TV series and the movie or whether yeah. the movie, doesn't matter. Okay. Joe. Yes. Your captain is Dread Pirate Roberts. Okay. The Dread Pirate Roberts was from The Princess Bride. And his ship was called, oh, damn it. The. The. Oh, God. Oh. I'm going to recognize it once you say it, but it's not quite as prominent. The Revenge. The Revenge. Yeah, yep. All right. Yep. Tara. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Lieutenant Lehman Witt Willenbrock. Yes. Lute- uh, Captain Lieutenant Lehman Willenbrock. Okay, hint. Jurgen Prognau. Oh, uh, Das Boat. Nice. And do you know the name of the ship? No. Okay. Das Boat. U96. <laughs> Booze Cruise. Joe. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was number 10, so let's get a quick uh, score break. <laughs> okay. And Tara, how many points do you have so far? Five. And Joe? Two. All right. Still a lot of game to be played. Joe, yeah. here is your captain. <laughs> Jack Aubrey. Aubrey? Yep. A-U-B-R-E-Y? That's right. This also sounds familiar-ish, but I'm going to need an actor. Russell Crowe. Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World? Correct. And do you know the ship? Oh, gosh. Um, the Expeditioner. I don't know. That's a fair guess. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> HMS. Sure. Surprise! <laughs> With a Z. <laughs> That's the extra surprise. <laughs> Tara. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's a tough one. Jack Sparrow. Oh, um, he's from the Pirates of the Caribbean, and his ship is the Black Pearl. Correct nice. for two points. All right, Joe. Yes, Captain Harrison. Captain Harrison. Actor. Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um. Well, we confirmed that he's not in. It's not Forbidden Planet. Down Periscope. But maybe it's Forbidden Planet too. <laughs> the Forbidden. The Forbidden <laughs> Okay, I know he was. The president in Hot Shots 2, but I'm going to... Maybe he was an admiral or a captain of some sort in Hot Shots 1? Okay. The ship is Poseidon, the movie, The Poseidon Adventure. Really? Yeah. All right, Tara. Yeah. I did not captain know Captain Nemo. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. The uh, ship was... Submarine? <laughs> Nautilus. The Nautilus. Okay. All right, Joe. Your captain... One name only, Morgan, but not Captain Morgan, not not the spiced rum. The character is Morgan, but we're not talking about the spiced rum. Impresario. Yes. <laughs> uh, actor. Gina Davis. Cutthroat Islands. And the ship. Can he pull it? Called the Charlie Baltimore. I don't know. <laughs> The Morning Star. The Morning Star. Uh, I was going to say something about like Captain Blood because we were talking about the yes? Jonas Grumby. Say the name, first name again. Jonas Grumby. Jonas Grumby. Uh, hint. Alan Hale Jr. Um, I don't know. His ship is the SS Minnow. Oh. oh. 
from Gilligan's Island. The skipper. I know his name. I've been trusting you guys to uh, keep track of your hint deductions, by the way. So yeah, we've been honest. Okay. All right. You num- heard me scold Joe. Number she seventeen. I it. see something scratched out on his pad. It's true. It's all good. Number seventeen. Ready, ready Eagle. Eagle. <laughs> For Joe, Jason Nesmith. Nesmith. A- actor. Uh, Tim Allen. Galaxy Quest. Um. Oh my gosh, I didn't. I've only seen it the once. Um. I don't know. Don't feel bad about not getting the ship names. They are very difficult to remember. That is the NSEA Protector. Wow. Yes. All right. Okay. Uh, Tara. Yep. Lord. Um. Palmerston. Lord Dorinian. And do you want the actor? I think I spelled it wrong anyway. <laughs> Gary Sweet. I have no idea. That was for the uh, the Don uh, Treader. Okay. Oh. From uh, Narnia, Narnia something or other. All right. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Oh, Joe, I'm so glad you got this one. Your captain is Sam Quint. Sam Quint uh, Jaws. Ah. But the boat, I'm totally going to blank oh, on. No. As I blank on all things Jaws. I really haven't seen it in quite a while. Um, the... God, it must have been referenced in a Kevin Smith movie somewhere. Um, I'm not going to get it. It's the Orca. The Orca. Yeah. All right, Tara. Yeah. Link Hogthrob. Hint. Jim Henson. Oh. Uh, Muppets in Space. Okay. Nice. And the ship? I don't know. The Swine Trek. Oh, okay. The Swine Trek. Yeah, those pigs in space. Joe. Yes. Your captain is, here's a tough one for the movie, your captain is Forrest Gump. My captain is Forrest Gump? Yep. Can I have the movie? Forrest Gump? <laughs> um, oh, I guess in the war, maybe. Um, I don't know. Oh, no, he's the captain of the shrimp boat. Oh, the shrimp boat, right. The called boat. Jenny. The ship boat called uh, Jenny. Oh, that makes sense. Tara, yeah. Marco Ramis. Ramius. Ramius. Okay. Uh, he was played by Sean Connery. Marco Ramius? Yeah. Is this the hunt for Red October? Okay. Good and on. I need the ship name. Um, the knife to a gunfight? Wow, you're stupid. Oh. Red October. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Joe. Yes. Catherine Janeway. Catherine Janeway is uh, <laughs> Star Trek Voyager. And the ship? The Enterprise. No, the Voyager. <laughs> oh, see? I had no idea. I'm so glad we both got those right Okay, good. Uh, Jesus. It's your Lord Doridian. Wait, so was Star Trek... They're not always the Enterprise. Deep Space Nine, the Deep Space Nine? Yeah. Was it? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a space station. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tara, your captain is Tanya Kerbuck. Um, hint. Uh, that captain was played by Helen Mirren. Captain. Mm-hmm. Gonna need the ship and the movie. Any idea? None. The movie, 2010, the year we make contact, and the ship was some Russian thing. Wow. Alexei Leninov. Okay. All right, Joe. Yeah. Time to redeem yourself. Oh, God. Your captain, Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc Picard was the Enterprise. 
And it was uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and various films thereafter. Very well done. Tara. Yeah. Steve uh, uh, Zuzu. Oh, uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou is the movie. And the ship was... Something French? I can't remember. The ship was the Belafonte. Yes. Ah, not something French. Okay, Joe. Yes. Your captain is Captain Malcolm Reynolds. Uh, Firefly. Ship name? The ship name was Serenity. Correct. Also was accepted, of course... Uh, Serenity. <laughs> Serenity for the movie. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Tara. Yeah. Admiral William Adama. Um, Battlestar Galactica. And the ship name is? Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Yeah. Ship is just called the Galactica, but it is a well, Battlestar, so okay. we'll give that to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Joe. Yes. Meryl Steubing. Captain Steubing was the love boat captain. And the ship was? Joe's so young, he'll never get this in a million billion years. Don't say anything. I wouldn't have got it. I'm old. The Pacific Princess. Oh, wow. And it was a real ship. Wow, really? It was a real cruise ship. Nice. It may still be. For Tara, Lieutenant Commander Philip Francis Quig. Um... Uh... Hint! Uh, Humphrey Bogart. And probably another actor. I'm just going to give you that one, because that's the clue. Okay. So, was something that got remade? I've said too much. Tweeg. Going to need an answer. It's not the African Queen. No, it's not. Uh, oh, oh, the, the, the Falcon! No. Damn. You on the bounty? Uh, the Kane Mutiny. The Kane Mutiny. I thought it was something with Mutiny. Joe. Yes. Lieutenant Andrew Tyler. Actor. Well, all right, all right. It's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> um, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh, um, U571? Did he get the numbers right? Did I? He yes. did. And the ship name? U571? <laughs> Good for a point. Good job, Joe. Thanks. All right. Tara. Yep. Captain. Cap'n. Hammer. Cap'n Hammer. Hammer. C-A-P apostrophe N. Hammer. Hammer. Hint. Nathan Fillion. Oh, um, is he the captain in Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog? And the ship name? He doesn't have a ship. Or something. I don't know. Apparently something called the ham jet. Okay. I had never seen it, so we're going to have to take that I person. I don't recall that, but sure. <laughs> All right. All right, Joe, here's a tricky one. Uh-oh. Pilot. Oh, shit. Here's where my years of editing Farscape recaps come in handy. Uh, Farscape. The ship name? Um, oh. Oh, no. It's something like five letters, and it's... <laughs> like Yuma or Soma or something like that? It is something like that, but you don't get points for something like that. No, I like know. It is Moya. Moya! Damn and it. apparently it's like a ship that's also a being. Yes. The pilot attaches to her or that something. Yeah, why don't I want to watch this show? <laughs> Tara, your captain is Ahab. Um, Property? Moby Dick. Ship? 
Um, the <laughs> the Pequod. Oh, of course. All right. I never took American literature, you guys. <laughs> I've never read that book. Neither have I. I think you both have th- three questions left, so let's oh do a score God. break. Tara? 15. And Joe? 16. Oh, my. All right, so this one goes to Joe. Okay. Your captain is Morpheus. Morpheus. Um, Property? Matrix. Ship? The Nebuchadnezzar. Nice. Two yeah. points. All right, yes. Tara. Your captain is Taranga Leela. The property is? Futurama. The ship? Planet Express ship. Nice. Correct. Joe. Yes. Your captain is Captain Dallas. Actor. Tom Skerritt. Contact? That's a good guess. Alien. Oh, The right. first alien, captain of the Nostromo. I always forget that he was. All there. right. Tara. Yep. Lieutenant Commander Quentin McHale. And. Ernest Borgnine or. Tom Arnold. That's about right. McHale's Navy. Um, and the ship? Any idea? The Fartinator. The Fartinator is incorrect. Mm. It is PT-73. All right. So one question left each? One question left and each. And we're exactly tied. Oh, my. All right. <clears throat> Joe. Yes. Your captain is Billy Tyne. Shit. Tyne with a Y or Tyne with an I? With a Y. And I'm going to ask Y as in why couldn't I get an easier question, Dave? <laughs> How about an actor? <laughs> okay, the actor who played Billy Tyne is George Clooney. The Perfect Storm? Correct. And the boat was the... Crushy. The Swamp. The Downeaster Alexa? Yeah, close. <laughs> The Andrea Gale. Oh, the and- I knew that. Why did I know that? But All I right. did. Didn't matter. You didn't matter. Have I didn't say it. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Tara. Yeah. yeah. Your captain is Captain Jack Porter. Hint. Okay, the actor is Nick Welchler. Welchler. Wexler? W-E-C-H-S-L-E-R. And his name again is Captain Jack. Well, it's Jack Porter. I, I Okay, Jack Porter. Jack Porter. Nick Wexler. Do you know the show or no, movie? No, I or don't. Book? I don't. Nothing? Nothing. Revenge. Revenge. And the ship is the Amanda. The Amanda. Okay, well. <laughs> oh, good job, Joe. <laughs> Just let's get it an official, Joe. 19. To no, 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 Tara's. 19. Well, I have 18, but I think I need to. You should have probably not given me Muppets from space if it was Pigs in Space. Oh, did you say pigs? Okay, I didn't I know. said Muppets. All right, well, that makes it even I more decisive. I wouldn't have decisive. said anything if I'd won. I wouldn't have even I'm noticed I'm that much it. of a dick. <laughs> well, congratulations. I'd say it's 17. Joe. Clap, clap. Two to nothing. <laughs> Joe. Listen, yeah. Bully taught us that I need to be the change I want to see in the world. This is true. So. And All Bully right. also taught the administration to really come down hard on people. <laughs> Which he didn't. Which he didn't. Dave, let this be your lesson. He doesn't want me to sue him. <laughs> All right, that's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We gave our lunch money to the moving activist documentary, Bully, and Joe chimed in with an anti-bullying, I am not a crackpot solution of his very own. We encourage you to do your part for the kids via Dewey Donation System at DeweyDonationSystem.org. But the charity stopped when it came to inducting popular pages. <laughs> Caged for the cannon. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Joe was the winner of this week's game time. 
We are on Twitter at Extra Hot Podcast. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash extra hot great. And of course, on the site, extra hot great.com. Remember, we're listening. I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano. Two for flinching. And Joe Reed. Don't shut your dirty whore mouth, player, player. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here next time on Extra Hot Great. I touched your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The 